Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Folks, do you know that today is Spock's birthday? And my co-host, she has promised to set her phasers on fun. See what I did there? She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great. How do you know it's Spock's birthday? The usual website that I go to that tells me <laughs> what sort of stupid day it is, uh, created by Hallmark. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have his birthday listed there. Unbelievable. Isn't there a place in Alberta called Vulcan and they have Star Trek days? Yes, there's Vulcan and you can go to Vulcan and you can put your head in like the little thing and be Spock. Actually, I have <laughs> some pictures of me doing that. So you can go to Vulcan and do that. But we also have St. Paul where there's the um, UFO landing pad. So oh. we're, Sheila, we're you're, that. you're preaching to the choir. I spent two I years in St. Paul. That's where I started my journalism career. I offended a lot of people because I called NASA in Florida which was a hefty long-distance callback in the 80s. The kids don't know how great they have it today with free long-distance. But um, I was calculating what the weight is of a space shuttle, and if they were to land it on that landing pad, well, it would crush the landing pad. And It the- wasn't for them. It was for the aliens, <laughs> honestly. Well, their, their flying saucers weigh something, too. I mean, I had to base it on something. Yeah, I got off to a really good start pissing off people in my journalism career. And it's been a real love affair ever since. It's also National uh, Sunglasses Day. Yes. And I I do know that my sunglasses divide the internet because uh, being from Alberta and being, you know, affiliated with the oil patch, I love me a good pair of pit vipers. And ah. people either love my pit vipers or they super hate them. So I get... Equal parts fan mail on the Pit Vipers, but equal parts hate mail, and um, I don't care. What I do those mail. look like, Sheila? Really? If you look in the um, Faye Johnstone video, I have those Pit Vipers in, like, five different colors. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, a Serengeti yeah. man. I bought a new pair. They're called Nicholson's. I absolutely love Serengeti uh, sunglasses. And for my cycling, I have a pair of genuine Oakley's. Oh, wait a minute. Those look a wee bit too big. No. I don't know, Sheila. I'm what gonna... comes with those, I love them. And because, okay, the thing about my my choice in sunglasses is exactly like my choice in wristwatch. 1980 men's. That's how I like my watches. That's how I like my sunglasses. And so I can either fancy it up with like a pair of Oakley aviators or dress it down with a pair of Pit Viper aviators because some days I want to be Super Dave Osborne and some days I want to be Evil Knievel, depending well, on how fancy I am. Sheila, with those shades, uh, if you ever get tired of this journalism shtick, uh, you're halfway towards a career in welding. Okay, <laughs> Those actually come with shields that you can snap off on the side. I love them because when I'm wadding or working in the yard, I don't get the dust on me. They're very practical and stylish. And again, I'll put you in the don't like them box. But there are people, equal amounts of people who like them. And Fantastic. Anyway, let's, 
let's get on to what we're yes, doing today. Please. <laughs> because we're neither sponsored by Pit Viper or Serengeti. So let's just move on from there. This is the Rebel News uh, Daily Roundup. It's hosted by my friend David Menzies, and I am the co-host today. But you'll get different co-hosts throughout the week, um, wherein we talk about the news of the day. Obviously, as you can tell, <laughs> completely unscripted. Um, but it also gives us a chance to interact with our friends at home. Um, and you can do that by watching us on Rumble or Odyssey if you are still watching us on the censorship platform of YouTube. I'll suggest that you migrate over to Rumble or Odyssey, although we are also streaming on Getter as well um, and on Locals. Uh, you can find all of our content there on Locals.com. That's an additional way that you can support us. So we have a Locals community there. But on Rumble and Odyssey, you can leave a paid chat. On Rumble, it's called a Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called a Hyper Chat that helps us keep the lights on here at Rebel News, um, but it also gives you a chance to have your say. So put your question, comment, um, whatever's in your heart. Maybe it's an insult. Vote for or against the pit vipers. Do it in the form of a paid <laughs> chat, and we'll read it towards the end of the show. Speaking of votings, uh, she devil, Toronto <laughs> has a new mayor. Um, I can't help but think of the slogan for— there used to be a— a chain of Chinese restaurants in uh, Toronto called Holy Chow. And their slogan was, Holy <laughs> Chow, we in big trouble now. Uh, no, talking about their competitors. It was not. I, I swear. So, uh, yeah, so if That's anyone beautiful. thinks I'm being racist, because everyone's so sensitive now, <clears throat> that was a Chinese-owned chain of Chinese restaurants that used that slogan. And it happens to be the surname of our new Her Honor, uh, Olivia Chow, someone that brought about not having a driver's license. Uh, yeah, think about that as you watch um, new bike lanes go up already, uh, all, all over this already gridlocked city. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Olivia Chow to put bike lanes on the Gardner Expressway, uh, assuming she's not going to tear it down. That was one of her promises, too. Um, Sheila, I really, I hope I'm wrong. I pray I hope I'm wrong. I still have my, you know, there's a bit of my heart that's still in Toronto. It's the city of my birth. I used to be the biggest Toronto booster. I can't bear to see what's happening to Toronto right now. It's becoming Portland North, San Francisco North. San Francisco used to be such a beautiful beautiful place to visit. Now it's a, a very neat place to, oh, I don't know, defecate on. Um, this is where we're headed with Toronto. I think under Olivia Chow, nothing's going to be done about gridlock because, well, she's going to ride her bike to work every day. Um, yeah. You're gonna, so you're going to see more uh, cycling lanes put in. You're going to see um, more of what we see in Allen Gardens right now which is a park that is completely verboten to the community to visit, the normal taxpaying citizens, because there are violent homeless people uh, taking it over. Um, you're going to see more so-called uh, safe injection sites uh, pop up. Uh, so expect to uh, maybe what you want to do is keep your eye on the sidewalk when you're walking so you don't step on a used syringe. Like I said, Sheila, I hope I'm wrong. I don't suspect I am. Uh, in terms of the housing crisis, well, we've always been told that uh, Toronto's going to build more affordable housing. And that's exactly who I want building more affordable housing, Sheila, because the, the worst <laughs> landlord in Toronto is the city of Toronto. You yeah. look at the city-run housing 
it's a disaster. Uh, so why not build more of it? You know, I, th I think of, um, I mean, and also if you look at our pl uh, platform, Sheila, three of the planks are anti-landlord. So that's not going to spur on more I guess, organic growth by the private sector of housing. Um, I have a friend, Lou Skeezes, business analyst. He's got a great line, Sheila. There are two ways to destroy a city. One is a nuclear bomb. The other is rent control. And you're going to see Olivia Chow double down on rent control, which means nothing's going to be built. Um, and also, one of our platform planks, I... I I was confused if this was something to help the homeless. She was talking about building more waiting pools, which you can use for about three months in the city of Toronto. And to show you the folly of that, this is the last thing I'm going to say, Sheila, and then I want you to weigh in with your Albertan viewpoint. Um, at Young Dundas Square, there are these very interesting mini fountains built into the ground. They go up two or three feet. So on a hot summer day like this, you see children running through those little fountains. And it's a lot of fun, or it was a lot of fun, because now at sunset, you see the, those fountains used to run 24-7. But when the, sun when the darkness takes lease, Sheila... The fountains stopped running, and I asked a security guard there, I said, what, what happened to these little dancing fountains embedded into the ground? And he told me, Sheila, at nighttime, they have to shut them off because what was happening, and this is right at Young Dundas Square, literally the town square of the city of Toronto, homeless people were coming up to them, dropping their drawers and using them as yeah. bidets. I swear to you. So <clears throat> Olivia Chow wants to build more wading pools. Uh, yeah, I don't think she's done the math. She better talk to the security guards down at Young Dundas Square. Sheila, what do you think about uh, Miss Chow becoming mayor? Well, she, I can't believe that's like one of her key issues is to build more bird baths for homeless people. <laughs> Like, who's asking for more waiting pools? Who's asking for this? Um, but I think you're in for, a, like, a wild ride because she's vowing to be even more progressive than Toronto is already, and that would be very hard to do. I always joke that Edmonton is Toronto West, but it seems to me that Toronto is quickly going to become, like, Seattle East. Yep. Um, but... I the the idea that you have a fully grown adult woman who's in charge of building the roads now and deciding city planning who doesn't have a driver's license it is so perfectly left wing yep. that it is just chef's kiss it's the same thing we see with gun control legislation where you have people who have never even used a firearm making uh legislation about gun control and the gun control like gun advocates we joke we say it's just like people who've never driven a car deciding where the roads are going to go we said that as a joke but that's about what you're going to get here in toronto i saw um i think it was jj mccullough although i could be wrong on twitter saying like what is going on in ontario because in ontario you, right now you have a mayor whose greatest claim to fame is being the wife of another politician you have a premier whose greatest claim to fame is being the brother of another politician wow and you have the prime minister whose 
greatest claim to fame is being the son of another politician. You are like the nepotism state at this point right now. You know, that's a great observation. And, and also the idea of us being <clears throat> Seattle East. Bit of perverse irony here. You know, in 1977, Sheila, the American League expanded by two teams, Seattle Mariners and the Toronto Blue Jays. I never dreamed that uh, in addition to sharing that birthday, um, Seattle and Toronto would become, or I guess Toronto is presumably on the way to becoming Seattle East, as you put it. But you know what's fascinating? I have the list here of all the results. <clears throat> and as always, there's winners and losers. 102-person <clears throat> field. So there's 101 losers. But there's losers and there's super losers, I think. Now, the very, who came in second place was, the, uh, was Anna Bailau. Um, she was endorsed by John Tory, who is the uber super loser. It's because of his horizontal jogging with uh, city subordinate staffers that were in this mess in the first place. So um, and he broke a promise, which is he wasn't going to endorse anyone. And about five or six days ago, he endorsed Anna Bailau. Um, funny thing is, I've tried to scrum her, uh, Sheila. She runs away. One of my questions that the polite members of the media won't ask her about is she was highly critical of, I think, the last great mayor of Toronto, which was the late great Rob Ford. Uh, you know, his substance abuse issues. Hey, we all have our demons. But, you know, the funny thing is, Sheila, I don't remember Rob Ford being convicted of drunk driving like Anna Bailao is. is. So maybe uh, those in glass houses and stone throwing, maybe Anna should learn a thing or two about that. Um, another loser, uh, Mark Saunders, 8.58% um, of the vote, Sheila. This was the guy endorsed by um, Premier Ford. This was the guy um, that we were tipped off that sneaky Patrick Brown, for reasons that remain mysterious, uh, was drumming up support for him, especially in Toronto's Tamil community. So that sure gets my spidey senses tingling. And I think if we have to draw a line, because we have to draw it somewhere, I think it is this candidate, <clears throat> Toby Heaps. 593 votes, 0.08% of the vote. Here's the, here's the thing, folks. When you talk about diversity, this is the ultimate diversity candidate because Toby Heaps isn't even human. It's a dog. It's a different species, yeah. right? So I'm looking at all the names um, below uh, Toby Heaps. Uh, oh, my goodness, Frank D'Angelo. Uh, 343 votes. Uh, Frank's not going to like that. <laughs> um, uh, and also, we go all the way down. Uh, oh, poor Ben Bankus, 203 votes. So the dog more than d doubled our uh, comedian friend's vote total. But get a load of this, Sheila. This has to stand out. There are two candidates of the 102. Jack Weenan, who finished 101, and Daniel Ermia, who finished 102, in other words, dead last, both of whom, in terms of percentage of the vote received, is, are you ready? 0.00%. It's not even a rounding error. And, I, and I'm only bringing this up, not necessarily to mock them. Well, I can't if I am uh, mocking them, because 
this was a joke. The idea that you only need 25 signatures, uh, Sheila, and $200, which is refundable after the election. I'm sorry, something's got to be done. I'm all for open democracies, but there has to be some benchmark to ensure that people just doing this for a lark. A lot of people, I guarantee you, Sheila, the only reason they were running, because they didn't even bother campaigning, was that at a future cocktail party, oh, yeah, you know what? Back in uh, 2023, I ran for mayor of Toronto. That's what it yeah. is, right? Um, I think the it should be a non-refundable deposit, and I think you need more than 25 signatures um, because in the case of the last place candidate, Daniel Ermaya, he only received in total 27 votes out of 1.9 million registered voters in the city of Toronto. Wow. Sheila Gunn-Reed, what is your analysis of what happened last night? Do you know what? There's a dog in Vermont that actually won the mayor's office. His <laughs> name is Duke. Duke. Um, and I would vote for Duke. I don't even care what his platform is, but I feel like a Duke would do less damage to a politician on either side of the argument. I do find it interesting that these um, politicians who are so critical of Rob Ford's lifestyle are the same ones, <clears throat> excuse me, advocating for these public shooting galleries for drug addicts and yes. the taxpayer to fund drug addicts. Like, you got to pick a lane here. Are mm. drugs bad or are they good? Because I'm over here and they're bad and people are victimized by them, but they seem to be the ones that want to like give them out. Would it have been okay if Rob Ford used drugs given to him by the government? Would they have then been okay? I guess so. Mm. Um, but yeah, Ben Bankus, you know, he did so poorly, <laughs> despite the fact that he was endorsed by the human monkey hybrid made in a lab in Wuhan, China. I don't know if you follow Ben <laughs> on Instagram, but he uses the Snapchat filter where he's a monkey and he talks in a Chinese accent and he's the Chinese monkey hybrid. Um, but also not only did the Chinese monkey hybrid endorse him, but the Chinese monkey <laughs> hybrid's mother which was Ben in a wig with the Snapchat filter, also endorsed Ben Bankus. But, um, well, you sad. know, there's the, there it is. <laughs> speaking of China, um, Sheila Gunreed, I'm looking for where Mr. Gong finished because he easily, easily spent $1 million plus in signage. You could not go anywhere within the city of Toronto was sometimes coming across, and I'm not exaggerating, 50 or 60 big signs uh, saying vote for Gong. We spoke about this yesterday. Candidate number 44. How unfortunate. In Asian culture, four is the bad luck number, equivalent to our number 13. Eight is the good luck number. <laughs> to be 4-4, four, four, oh my goodness. Maybe there's something uh, to that superstition. But in terms of money spent and votes earned— oh. He received 0.41% of the uh, the votes, uh, Sheila. So 2,983. Um, what did he spend, like a 1,000 bucks a vote? It would probably work out. Um, I would say more. I would say oh, actually God. more. And you got to wonder, where, where was that money coming from? I really want to see the where audit. Where was that money? I would yeah. love to see the audit. Oh, me too, Sheila. I would love uh, to. So, uh, our friend Chris Sky blew him away. Um, 8,001 votes, 1.10%. 1 
of the vote total. And I will say this. We didn't have time to do this st story. Um, it didn't work out with um, Chris Guy's schedule. But I learned uh, just a few days ago that Chris and his campaign went out of the way to buy billboards. They went out of their way to buy TTC ads. And he was denied. And especially in the case of the TTC, in which ridership has plunged substantially since COVID, um, you've got enough money to burn. You're not interested in people throwing money on your table. Uh, yeah, I know you're publicly funded, but uh, you should, if you're selling advertising, allow advertising. Uh, I, I don't see any kind of, you know, advertising code, Sheila, that running a Chris guy uh, ad would would breach either you love them you hate them that's besides the point the idea to turn down cash money is atrocious so um, there you go and one more in person in the department of losers and this might be the biggest loser of all Sheila Gunn Reed Selena Caesar Chavenis. 254 yeah. votes, 0.04%. Who's Selena? Some uh, newbies might be asking. Well, back in the uh, first term of blackface, she was a member of parliament and a bit of a potty mouth, a mouth as well. Uh, I think we have a clip of our uh, former colleague, Kian Bexty, <laughs> trying to interview Selena uh, on Parliament Hill. Uh, I'll shut up. Let's roll the footage. This is unbelievable, yeah. folks. But sure. I, I Until you really, get to your office. No, we could, we could, you could keep going. You could keep so going. So do you forgive I, I just, I really have nothing good to say to the rebel. So I'm, I'm not sure why you're entertaining this line of questioning, but... Just wondering, go ahead. For, just wondering if you forgive someone who verbally assaulted you. Anyways, have Are a good you night. Done? Thanks for chatting with me. Are you done? Oh, the big well, guy's here. You're done. I, can, I mean, oh, I can keep coming. I can, did you just call me a pussy? <laughs> <laughs> that's not uh, That's not very parliamentary language of you. Do you so forgive what? Justin Trudeau? And so what? You you, do you use parliamentary language in your bullshit that you put out on? I'm a man of God. <laughs> oh. You know what? Campaign Kian right Bexty's best quote ever during his time with Rebel News, Sheila. Did you just call me a pussy? <laughs> That's not hearing parliamentary language. Uh, no. Kian is a, a fiery young man. And so it, it's really nice. It was nice to see how calm he was because it made her look like an absolute lunatic. Yeah. Um, she was. To her credit, though, even though she is bristly and she has harsher words for rebel news than she has for Justin Trudeau or her fellow liberals who hung her out to dry. But she was one of those liberal women who stood up to Justin Trudeau yep. and she paid the political price for it. And you can see it in the poll numbers in uh, her run for mayor there. It looks like the liberal vote coalesced around quite possibly Olivia Chow. Instead of her, no, I, I didn't see anybody from the liberal cabinet or liberal MPs endorsing their former colleague. Um, they just left her to hang dry in the wind, um, much the same way they did when she spoke up against Justin Trudeau. She said he was like screaming at her yes. and berating her. Um, and it, I think it's so interesting to see that she's still this. Uh, so ideologically blind where we're like, yeah, we're, we really like that you stood up to Justin Trudeau and still she can't even say like, actually the rebel news, it, it, 
were one of the few people who actually appreciated what yep. I did. She still hates us. <laughs> no, you know what, Sheila? Um, I give her that point. However, yep. if you're looking at politics, if you're looking at a paycheck, um, I think she paid a price for speaking with her heart as opposed to her brain. Um, maybe she could have worked behind the scenes as a member of parliament to try to bring about change because she publicly criticized uh, blackface. Uh, the jig was up. But she would have been easily reelected in 2019. So by 2020, um, it'd be full pension time, six years. Instead, um, what is she? A footnote. Um, running yeah. for mayor of Toronto. Now, I saw her two weeks ago at the mayor debate. Everybody was happy to speak to uh, Rebel News, except her. I politely went up yeah. to her. And I said, you know, um, please, I, I'd love to, you know, do a very brief interview. And she said, oh, no, I'm so busy. I'm so super busy. This is like at a, a Thursday uh, night when it was pouring rain. I guess she had to go out and do all that door knocking, Sheila, so that she could amass um, – 254 votes in a pool of 1.9 million. Uh, really, Selena? Uh, I mean, you had zero time. And and I and Sheila, I was not going to be mean to her. I was going to be no. fair to her. And um, you know, I. But she uh, she didn't see any kind of benefit for her, and buggered off. And well. The proof is in the pudding. You didn't even get 300 lousy votes out of 1.9 million. What's next for her political career, Sheila? Obscurity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Um, Olivia whispers in my ear that we should hit an ad break and okay. then we'll go into this David Johnston nonsense. And then, oh, um, no. I, but hopefully before we run out of time, because I think David Johnston's going to gobble up quite a bit. But I want, also want to get to everything that's in the... Um, uh, YouTube headline, but I want to talk about the hate crime that occurred in Leduc, Alberta, just a few short days ago. Oh, yeah. Um, the day of infamy for Leduc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We should so, wear some kind of um, like little ribbon. What colors are left right ribbon. now, Sheila? <laughs> Anyways, let's hit that ad break and then we'll go into David Johnston. <laughs> in a world plagued by conformity where truth is distorted, freedom is a distant memory and Big Brother is always watching. One man, Winston Smith, looks to break through his bleak existence. Introducing the all-new Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of George Orwell's iconic book, 1984. Now, more than ever, in the age of lockdowns, 15-minute cities, and World Economic Forum globalism, everyone must read 1984. Uncover the hidden depths of this literary classic with our exclusive illustrated edition that brings Orwell's haunting vision to life, reborn with a foreword by Ezra Levant, and 30 captivating new illustrations by artist Paul Revoche. You see that Orwell is not only explaining what might come, but in my opinion, what's already here, even back when he wrote it in 1949, but much more so as we see revealed today, particularly with the last three years. Join the rebellion against conformity. Get your hands on the Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of 1984, now available at buy1984.com.
progressives across this country are going out of their way to erase Canada's national identity, whether it's cancelling fireworks or cancelling Canada Day altogether. If there's one thing that these folks hate, it's patriotism. So why not support our independent journalism and stick it to the progressives who would love to cancel Canada Day by going to rebelnewsstore.com and purchasing some of our incredible Canada Day themed gear, like this shirt I'm wearing right now. Again, you'll be supporting our important work and you'll be sticking up for Canada's national identity, rejecting progressive cancel culture, and saying no, we are indeed Canadian. Again, go to rebelnewsstore.com. You know, Sheila, I just want to say about that 1984 book, uh, Paul Ravoche is such an unbelievably talented yes. artist. I mean, you could see by just a few of those screen captures of some of his illustrations, I believe 30 in our republished uh, 1984 book. You know, Sheila, here, quick story, you know. Whenever the family goes out to a um, like a roadhouse restaurant, you know how they'll have some paper and crayons. It's really for the kids, but I always pick up my crayon, and I've trained myself to draw a really good Starship Enterprise. I mean, Lady Menzoy goes, "Whoa, you know that's really good," you know, and I, you know, I'm so proud of myself. And I saw Paul Ravoche's, I guess, um, dossier of previous work, and he had drawn. Starfleet vessels and it almost made me cry because I realized it was kind of like <laughs> I'm the best beer league player in the league right. and then Wayne Gretzky comes on the ice and it's like I'm putting my hockey stick away yeah. and I'm playing golf instead right I thought yeah. I'm a nobody I'm a nothing that this guy's a genius I'm a ham and egger uh, and I couldn't pick a better artist in the world, quite frankly, yes. than to deliver those illustrations. Folks, get that book, even if you've read it, reread it, like I did two years ago. I was shocked by two things, Sheila. One, how good it was, and I had forgotten how good it was. And B, or two, I should say, um, that so much of it has come true in Canada oh, yeah. in 2023. It's chilling. It was chilling then. When I first read it, it was 1979, a full five years before the actual year of 1984. The only thing Orwell got wrong, I would say, is the setting and the date. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We have the Ministry of Truth rewriting books now. Yeah. You know, like literally rewriting books, changing movies. James Bond is getting it. You know, like we're there. Well, I we're didn't hear there. that. What, what yeah, are they doing with Bond? He's too much toxic masculinity. And they're editing some Bond movies? Well, they want to. Oh, my Not God. Not Bond movies, the Bond books. Um, unbelievable. And, and you know, Sheila, it's funny. Yesterday on the 401 heading into the office, I saw the most unfortunate vanity license plate ever on a Lexus SUV. Karen 007. <laughs> I know. I'm no longer using the word Karen uh, as a slur uh, because I feel like it is a racist slur directed at uh, prickly white women, and I might be one of those. So I'm no longer using it. Uh, I, I didn't think Karen was not. race exclusive. 
I believe it is. Have you ever seen the term Karen leveled at anybody other than a white woman? Wow. Well, I believe this Think lady was it. Asian. So, uh, but she was, I mean, it cost her like $200 to get that plate. I'm going to the Ministry of Transport asking for my money back, given what Karen has become. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should get to David yes. Johnston because um, he is Justin Trudeau's longtime family friend. She, vacationed in the ski chalet next door, I believe. Um, but totally, totally independent former governor general who is assigned to be the special rapporteur on foreign meddling, even though he was on the Trudeau Foundation when the Trudeau Foundation took money from China. And he's the guy who's supposed to investigate completely independently uh, foreign money flowing to the benefit of Justin Trudeau and the liberals. Oh, Sheila, legit. shame on you. You forgot to add one more clause that the mainstream media always uses when it comes to David Johnson, quote, whose reputation is beyond reproach, end quote. Impeccable. <laughs> Impeccable. It's Lily White. Um, anyways, he's just a couple weeks ago, he said, I, I, you know what? I actually can't be the special rapporteur, not because I have um, <laughs> obvious connections with the Trudeaus and a serious conflict of interest, which is what a normal person would say. But he said it's just become too political because these opposition parties and all these pesky peasants <laughs> are questioning my ties and my uh, inability to be independent. Well, he resigned and Aww. basically cried, cried about it on the way out the door. Um, but now this old entitled curmudgeon, whom I didn't <laughs> know enough about to dislike before, has released his final report. And by released, I mean hidden it from public view. Yep. So his report is, should there be a public inquiry? He says no, but... Even then, the reasons for no are not going to be made public. This is absolute garbage. This is banana republic stuff that they're doing to us. Set up. His selection was an outcome in search of a pathway to that outcome. And then, of course, you know, like we know that when they selected him, there would absolutely be no public inquiry. But now we don't even get to know why there isn't going to be a public inquiry. Yeah. We're not even entitled to that information. <clears throat> Give me a break. Sunny ways, sunny ways. Remember that oh. election speech in 2015 by Blackface? Uh, the promise this would be the most transparent government in Canadian history. It's actually the polar opposite. Sheila, at the end of the day, Blackface should never have offered this gig to Johnson, but there was still a way out. Johnson should have right. said, with all due respect, Justin, I cannot do this. Right. I know there's no conflict of interest, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, but there is certainly going to be the appearance of one, and that's damning enough. I decline with all due respect. And now I love the karma here. Uh, Sheila. Yeah. He his enduring memory is forever soiled. This man whose reputation was beyond reproach. Well, now it is a despicable reputation. He was involved in a whitewash. He was completely non-transparent. He was, of course, in a conflict of interest, close family friend of the Trudeaus, being part of the Trudeau Foundation, having, I believe, his his daughters uh, taught um, being taught in China. Uh, 
the conflict just oozes like slime out of the swamp thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's all on him. He just had to say no. I mean, really, Sheila, did he need the money? Is that it? Are things that hard done by at the Johnson household? But again, it just goes to show you, never, never hire a Johnson to investigate a dong. Wow. <laughs> You've been working on that one for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, that's where my opinion shifted from. I don't care who or what this old dude is. He can be Justin Trudeau's friend. That's not a crime. Um, he can be a family friend, uh, next door chalet neighbor yelling at each other over the fence that divides the hot tubs from each other in the Laurentians. I didn't really care. Um, you know, he was appointed by Stephen Harper, so there uh, there was the perception that he was nonpartisan. Um, but how could that possibly be with his close ties to the liberals? I didn't really care anything about him until he accepted this appointment to be the special rapporteur because like a normal person would have said the optics here stink this is completely disrespectful to the process and i won't be involved in it and david johnson was like yup where do i sign up and that's where i'm like actually i don't like you <laughs> i think you're awful um and you are going to be part of a fix yeah. on canadians and that's that's exactly what it turned out to be and continues to be well, Sheila, I agree with everything you said except one thing. I didn't like your disparaging tone towards hot tubs. As you may know, uh, that is where I met Lady Men Menzoid uh, the day before Valentine's Day, 1988, in a hot tub. Um, I think meeting people in a hot tub when you see them in an almost naked format is a very good idea before you ask somebody out on a date. So I give a big thumbs up to the hot tub community. <laughs> I'm not a fan of sitting nearly naked in a tepid <laughs> pool of chlorine and other people's filth. It just does not even remotely appeal to me. Not to mention the humidity and the chlorine just wreaks havoc on my head. Um, <laughs> let's hit an ad break All right. and then we'll go into segment three about uh, medically assisted deaths if you don't mind fantastic talk to you for just a moment here at rebel news we understand what it's like to be independent to try and get by uh, without big handouts from the government small business owners business owners alike out there understand that like nobody else that's why we might be able to partner up and, and do something incredible bring a captive audience and new eyes to your business or your product if you think we might be able to partner up and if you want to support independent journalism while growing your brand to a captive audience well reach out to us you can do so by going to rebelnews.com advertise so, Sheila, um, you teased this at the beginning, uh, something about the day of infamy in Leduc, oh, yes. Alberta. My that. goodness gracious, what happened? Okay, let's talk about that, and then we should talk to how they are treating people like they're just a bag of spare parts. But anyway, yeah. uh, yes, they're... Tragic, uh, horrific thing happened in uh, Leduc, Alberta. Now, for those of you who don't know, Leduc is sort of, um, it's an oil field town. It's, uh, there's a major, I think what Canada's, maybe Canada's largest industrial park, Nisku, is just right beside. It's where a lot of the uh, drilling rig yards are and fabrication yards and mod yards and trucking companies, like where the supply side or the service side 
of the oil patch exists is there. And uh, we heard a very tragic story um, just a couple of days ago that um, black tire marks <laughs> were seen on a Leduc Pride crosswalk leading to a police police investigation. Oh, no. <laughs> there are no real crimes in Leduc that we're investigating burnouts on a street. Let's just <laughs> calm down for a second here. We called the police because there are road marks on the road. That's where we're at here. By the way, this is Leduc. This is like, this is what people do in Leduc. And I say this with great affection. Because I'm from Fort Saskatchewan, so we do much the same. But I think outside of maybe Grand Prairie, Leduc is home to the burnout at a stop sign. You know, it's what you do. You got a big truck, you got fancy tires, squawk them, why not? Um, they just happened to have squawked them on a pride sidewalk, and the police were called. Mounties were notified. Like, I can't even believe this is real. <laughs> Mounties were notified of the incident by the city. Okay, so the city, it wasn't even the public, the city, who was probably just like so proud, popped their collars, admiring the song, the <laughs> stupid crosswalk, were like, oh, it's been defaced. This is my favorite part in all of this, though, because everybody is sure it's a hate crime, but they don't even know who did it or why they did it. It could be you they didn't want to run over a pedestrian. Great because point. they were distracted by the stupid markings on the road. They're looking at this rainbow barf on the crosswalk and nearly ran over a pedestrian and hit their brakes and left a mark. So I guess according to these people, you should probably just clip that pedestrian and avoid a hate crime. But th listen to this. Although it is difficult to determine motivations <laughs> of those responsible <laughs> until they are identified... This act demonstrate a hateful and non-tolerated attitude towards the 2SLGBTQ plus community. RCMP spokesperson Constable Sherry Lee Smith said in a news release on Monday. Okay, so you don't know who did it, why they did it. You have no clue. But, but it definitely is hate. What? <laughs> Deputy dog, what are you doing? Sheila, let's reverse engineer this back to ground zero, please. Why is that multicolored monstrosity on the road in the first place? I mean, why? I, I look at all the highway traffic codes in our great dominion. When it comes to marking uh, a crosswalk where you should stop, it is exclusively in white lines of various widths. How did this become a thing? And it is a thing because, you know, Sheila, about five or six years ago in Aurora near where I live, I swear I didn't do it. The Green Goblin could never lay <laughs> a burnout mark on that, folks. Um, but I think it was at Young and Wellington. Uh, somebody did a burnout, presumably with a muscle car or a heavy-duty truck. And, Sheila, the way this was covered by the local media, it was Aurora's day of infamy. And you make an excellent point. How do you know this was intentional? How do you know this wasn't an emergency stop? How do you know this wasn't a new driver that got a little, uh, you know, lead-footed uh, hitting the gas pedal? I'll tell you what I learned from that story, Sheila, and it was a real shock. Here's the infamy. Not that there was a black mark across it, but the fact that... 
the cost of this, I'm going by memory, it was in the neighborhood of $12,000. How do you justify 12 Gs for that uh, paint? And you know what? I guess they're going to have to repaint the one in Leduc, and they're going to have a bit of a problem, Sheila, because that is the Pride Progress flag. That includes the, well, I can't say what it, it is because you get Don't. mad. But I'm just so sad. It just makes me. <laughs> but you the know color... that feeling in your mouth where you're going to salivate right before you throw up? That's what I get every time you say it. And it, I think it's just thinking about it, but also the words coming out of your mouth. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. They, part, the, part of the Pride Progress flag uh, utilizes the color pink for the transgender people, even though they were represented by the original Pride Classic flag, because LGBT, the T in LGBT is for transgender. But you know what? They're they're so super special. They need double coverage, and they're getting it. But here's the thing, Sheila, um, and I, I'm not making this up. There is a worldwide shortage of pink paint. There you go. Thanks to the super producers. There's the story. They're making a Barbie movie. And they've exhausted the world's supply of pink. So what are the transgender people going to do without their pink color there, Sheila Gunn-Reed? Hmm. <laughs> I don't understand how you can run out of pink paint. It's white paint with a sprinkle of red in it. If we, I'm pretty sure there's still white paint out there. And I know for sure there's red paint out there. So, um well, I would imagine I it's this. I don't understand this problem. It's probably not a popular color. You're not painting your house inside or out with pink. These, uh, you know, these paint companies, they operate on an industrial scale, and they make so much of a not very desirable color. And when it's gone, it's gone. It, I mean, you know, you can't, you know, turn an aircraft carrier around on a dime. So, um, and who foresaw the fact that, A, there'd be a Barbie movie, and B, they would want every set to be painted pink. So I'm just loving this. I never thought I'd be so gung-ho on Team Barbie as I am right yeah, now. Yeah, you're, you're pro-Barbie movie at this point. Um, let's go to... This was the one thing I wanted to talk about because that police statement is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. <laughs> like, we don't know who did it. We definitely don't know why they did it. We don't even know if it was intentional, but it's definitely a hate crime. Thanks, cops. Yeah. Um, In the meantime, thanks, Leduc call, RCMP. somebody call forensic files. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job, Leduc RCMP. Um, let's quickly talk about this uh, organ harvesting problem Ugh. that they have with made and then we'll talk about the censorship legislation that they want to use to force broadcasters to push even more woke nonsense although we briefly touched on it the other day but we'll talk about it again why because it's in the headline <laughs> i don't want the email so uh let's just really quickly talk about this uh what happens to the organs of people who choose medically assisted deaths um, or uh, euthanasia, uh, government sanctioned suicide, if we're avoiding Orwellian speak. Um, so in Canada, you don't have to be terminally ill to access medically assisted death. You can be chronically ill or in a situation where treatment will not uh, adequately, I forget the phrase they use, but the, tr the treatment is not basically to the, um, I guess, expectations of the person being treated. So if you are chronically ill or 
So you can you might have MS and you, you don't think the treatments are working. You can just say, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm sort of done with this. Mm. Um, homeless people, uh, people who are experiencing uh, chronic homeless, like chronic housing issues, not even homeless, but you don't like the government funded housing that you're getting. Um, uh, eating disorders. There was a bulimic who took her own life. I mean, it, it's just insane. And the government now has said that actually uh, people who are mentally ill can access MAID, although thanks to public outcry, they've pushed that back a year, thank God. But, you know, this horrifies me because people who are experiencing acute PTSD, that comes in waves. It can come instantly. And you might pick up the phone and get an angel of death pharmacist because it doesn't have to be a doctor who says, yep, we got you uh, because they've removed the uh, wait time now um, for a lot of uh, illnesses. But you might get somebody on the other end of the line who agrees to do to you the thing that you want to do to yourself in that instant that may pass later. I, I've spoken to people who've attempted suicide before and none of them are displeased that they survived their suicide attempts. Yes. And that should be very important to note here. But point. another problem with all of this is the concern that people might be too quickly offered made instead of um, asking for it, maybe offered because a lot of the organs of the people who are accessing medical assistance in dying are being harvested um, as part of organ donations, which should actually indicate how well a lot of these people are if their organs are ripe for harvesting that like that that's sort of something that's in the background of this you are not riddled with disease and illness if your most of your vital organs can be harvested and given to somebody else and so it's very concerning what's happening here you know that's a brilliant point you've made sheila and again more fodder to suggest they really haven't thought this thing through have they they, they're no. in such a an inexplicable rush to get people to check out that for health reasons, as you prove with how good those organs are, there's no real reason. And maybe they're going through a mental illness crisis. They can be talked off the ledge. But no, yeah. no, no, just lie down. Here comes the needle. Uh, you know, we, we, we've got you covered. It's despicable. Well, people who are on the cusp, who are there saying, you know, maybe I would be better off dead. If you have somebody who comes to them and says, no, you have so much to live for. You have all these people who yes. love you. Um, we can get you treatment. We can get you help. That's one track you can take with someone who's having those thoughts. Or you can say to someone who's saying, I'd be better off dead. And that other person says, well, you could help all these other people through your death. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Now, I'm I'm somebody who, like, when I die, uh, I'm going to keep my organs all squishy and gushy and healthy as best I can and then just part me out like an old minivan. I don't care. I don't need them. Take them. When the time is right, not when I'm having some sort of acute crisis and somebody says to you, you know what? You are experiencing these suicidal ideations. You could help a lot of people if you weren't here anymore. Yeah. That that might be the shove in the right direction for some people. And I think it's tragic. Shameful. And yes. speaking of the feds and shame, uh, well, knock me down with a feather, Sheila Gunn-Reed. The feds are proposed, uh, have proposed mandating woke requirements 
on broadcasters as C11 becomes law. Wait, wait a minute. You mean the broadcasting community isn't already woke enough for them? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they- I mean, this is they why don't I have serious satellite radio, Sheila. I mean, as the late, great Dick Beddoes used to say about some of the broadcasters back in the day, if they don't get off the air soon, I'm going to stop breathing it. And evidently, it's not woke enough for blackface and company. What's the what's the scoop? You know, this this is crazy because I, and I talked about this, I think it was with Adam maybe last week. We sort of touched on this um, there. It's it's beyond what is representative, even if you care about that sort of stuff. If you cared about re- demographic representation um, as part of the CBC's license renewal, the CRTC is requiring that CBC dedicate a minimum of 30% of its independent English language programming spending to producers who self-identify as Indigenous, official language minorities, visible minorities, disabled, or LGBTQ. Unbelievable. The the percentage of dedicated funds will increase to 35% in 2026. So I pulled the numbers when I was talking to Adam, and it's well under 30% of Canadians who identify as being minority. And that's self-identification as minority, by the way. Those could be furries in the mix, for all we know. But this is over-representation in the culture, um, and they're making it contingent on your license renewal. So if you if you want to be broadcasting, you have to be shoehorning what LGBTQ characters into Murdoch mysteries. So, How does that make sense? So Sheila, if the CBC were to run, say, uh, reruns of Mash, would um, the character Klinger, um, you know, qualify as an LGBTQ uh, character? Because remember, he was dressing up as a woman all the time to get a Section 8 uh, and get sent home. Uh, right. Of course, these days you dress up like that and you're promoted to an admiral. Right. It- he was <laughs> pretending to be crazy. And now you're pretending to be sane when you do that. In that the that's right. But, you know, the first thing that jumped out at me when you read the lead of that story, Sheila, was this. It's the English language CBC network that must be beholden to that. Why is there a different standard for the French language Radio Canada? Can anyone explain that? I mean, is are no. they playing? Because maybe that sort of stuff doesn't fly that much in Quebec, and they're playing the distinct society card, and so you get a, um, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because really, what's the difference? You know, there's English and there's French. But evidently, there's some nuance here with the federal government that only the English service has to uh, mollycoddle these regulations and not the French service. Why is that? A lot of things you can do in Quebec that if you did it in Calgary, you wouldn't be accused of being <laughs> some sort of bigot, um, including, you know, their ban on religious symbols in the public sector. Um, if you tried that uh, down at Calgary City Hall, you would be um, just scorched. Um, this is I should read this from the government's regulatory proposal. A lot of acronyms in here. Uh, the broadcasting system should serve the interests of all Canadians. Part of this is recognizing and overcoming the challenges faced by certain Canadians, including Indigenous persons, Black and other racialized persons, Canadians of diverse ethno-cultural backgrounds, members of OLCMs, I have no idea what that is, I'm sorry, persons with disabilities, members of the two SLGPTQI plus communities, 
women we're just in there women i don't know <laughs> i feel like we're in charge of the cbc so i'm not sure we're um you know persecuted minorities down at the cbc Catherine tate can run the cbc and live in new york um anyways and members of other equity seeking groups what does that even mean reads the government's regulatory proposal it, I can tell you this, Sheila. I, I can tell you one uber popular uh, TV sitcom that will now never see the light of day on CBC is Friends. I mean, you may as well be showing a propaganda tape for the Aryan nations. It's so white. So, But the point I want to make is this, Sheila. If there's diversity in a series that comes along organically or originally, whatever, I'm fine with that. Who in their right yeah, mind, what reasonable person wouldn't be fine with that? But you know what I want first and foremost? I want good content, not necessarily mandated diverse content. If I get good content and diversity is part of that, that's great. But that is yeah. the prime directive on this Spock's birthday good content good job david great job <laughs> <laughs> i had to wiggle great that job in. bringing the show full circle by the way i just googled it and that olmcs although i said olcms because nobody knows the acronym it's the government's term for official language minority communities you know all the more reason sheila that People have to read 1984. All these names yeah. of government organizations, just like in 1984, the Ministry of Truth. Well, it's really a ministry of propaganda. You never, ever want to end up in the Ministry of Love, Sheila, because you go to Room <laughs> 101 and you get tortured to death with rats. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, you know, again, it's more of this draconian control of our content in the name of wokeism, much like, you know, and I have a piece coming up uh, later this week, folks, and I went to Pearson Airport to do some investigation. Um, the Canadian Border Service Agency guards were involved in taking in a drag queen strip show at Pearson yeah. International Airport because, you know, Pearson Airport, the number one worst airport in the world. Yeah, and I'm including third world airports uh, in that list. That's what we want to do to prevent lost luggage and canceled flights and lineups that are longer than the one for Leviathan at Canada's Wonderland on Dominion Day. Yeah, we want to take the border guards off duty and treat them to a strip show by a Franken female. Way to go, uh, Prime Minister Blackface. Um, Sheila, we're running out of time. Do we have uh, any super chats? Yeah, we do. We have a couple. Um, Ableist SL gives us five bucks. Have you heard about the Japanese government passing a crappy LGBTQ bill? Sorry, I added the Q for some reason. LGBT bill that resulted in an explosion of regressive leftist propaganda in schools, tanking the current administration's approval rating. Yeah, I think this was unnecessary. Uh, so if you look at the left, CBC, Reuters, they call it a watered-down LGBT understanding bill. Um, uh, June 16th, Japan, this is from Reuters, enacted a law meant to promote understanding. We, what do you mean, understanding? Um, of the LGBT community that critics say provides no human rights guarantees, though some conservative lawmakers says, say the measure is too permissive. Um, 
Japan, the only group of seven G7 nations that that doesn't have legal protection for same-sex unions, had originally pledged to pass the law before hosting a G7 summit last month. Um, they said the law stipulated that discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity should not be tolerated, but was changed to there should be no unfair discrimination. Okay, so I don't see the problem, which critics say may tacitly encourage some forms of discrimination. Uh, give it a rest. Um, there have been crimes committed by impersonators in women's washrooms, former upper house president Akiko Santo told reporters after boycotting the vote in the chamber, we must protect this man. Uh, it yep. would be a very serious problem if this bill passed and the trend became that it was normal to accept anything. Okay, so what they're saying is um, there are times where you need to discriminate um, by discriminate, choose, I guess, technically, but really what you're choosing is the idea that there are same-sex exclusive places, right? If yep. things are exclusive, then you, by nature, the flip side of that is that you've discriminated against the person you're not allowing in there. And what by changing the language of this to say, yes, there are some times, for example, where discrimination is necessary to protect the rights of the other group, i.e. women and girls, then th this is... <laughs> Um, they use the phrase unfair discrimination because yeah. there are times where it is indeed fair. It's actually protecting fairness. And the left seems to be up in arms about this stuff. And I don't even know, like, good for Japan. They did. The, I think they really did the right thing here. But Japan's got another problem that they don't need to worry about this LGBT nonsense. 25% of Japanese people will never get married or really ever be in a relationship. They have a problem of, uh, they call it celibacy syndrome. They're just completely disinterested in the other sex. And I don't know if it's too much soy. I don't know if it's the idea of that they're a very um, uh, technologically advanced society. Um, I don't know what it is, but they have no interest in the other sex anymore. And they need to do something about it because they have an aging, declining population oh. where people are not getting married, having families, procreating, and they're going to have a complete and total collapse of their tax base because you need kids to to um, replace that. And, and things are going very, very bad. That's where the Japanese mind should be. You know, you're 100% right, Sheila. Uh, Japan is right now in the midst, basically, of a demographic time bomb. Uh, yeah. th they are, well, let's face it, uh, a very xenophobic society. It is almost impossible to emigrate uh, to Japan. And Which what's is happening... fine if they were having kids. That's all fine if you're having kids. Exactly. And they're not. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they have a very healthy lifestyle. So living into your late 90s that's not uncommon so the it's it's the upside down pyramid where there's more old people on top and less young people in fact i read an article a few years ago uh Sheila, i didn't realize this japan is one of the world innovators in robotic research and the end goal for these robots is for elder care because there's no yeah. young people to hire yeah. to provide the services uh, aging seniors need. I mean, can you imagine that? But what I liked about what you just read was the fact that somebody uh, had the courage, which we don't have with any politician here, talking about men impersonating 
females. Uh, mm -hmm. Who am I thinking about here? Oh, yeah, Busty Lemieux, the shop teacher, yep. uh, who is obviously mentally ill, uh, going to class with his Zed cup, cup breasts, which he claims are real, affixed uh, to him. Geez, you know, Sheila, I'd love to shift uh, ship uh, Busty Lemieux off to Tokyo. Wouldn't that be something? Him walking down the streets there? I could just hear it now. Godzilla heading for city center. Godzilla heading yeah. for city center. Boobzilla. <laughs> it would be bo Boobzilla come true. They would think he was some sort of horrible robot gone wrong. Um, anyway. I wonder the effects of latent radioactivity on those boobs. Anyway, let's oh, no. might actually grow some. Uh, Fraser McBurney gives us five bucks. Last Sunday on my way to our Hamilton Freedom Picnic, in all my life I've never seen so many homeless people. It broke my heart. We are fast becoming San Francisco. Who do we blame? Governments. Yeah, there's a whole host of um, reasons why you can blame the government. You blame the government for not... Um, uh, well, for a lot of these people are mentally ill and they probably should be institutionalized, but we don't do that anymore for yeah. some reason. And by the way, I uh, read a whole book on how the study that saw the that led to the change in perceptions about what happens in these institutions that led to the institutions closing and then emptying these poor souls out onto the street. Yep. That was completely flawed. It was a scam. Yep. It was a scam. David, I'll flip it to you. Um, I'll flip uh, some articles on it to you. But it was a complete scam. The It was doctors, a doctor and some subjects said that they went undercover in hospitals and said that they were manifesting mental illness. But once they got there a day later, they said, actually, I'm feeling better. You should let me go. And they claimed that they were continued to have been medicated and not let go. As in, I'd love to read but that, not, Sheila. But and, none of it was true. It was yeah. a complete flawed study, and it changed the public's perception about what happened in these institutions. And one person who was part of this study, um, they didn't include his data in the study because he said uh, they were really nice to me and actually felt better after I came out of there. <laughs> so they're like, you can't be part of this. Um, the idea was that these institutions were actually doing a pretty good job and they were sort of evolving with the times and yep. they were a compassionate place. It wasn't all like Nurse Cratchit. It wasn't, wasn't like that at all. Anyway, and of um, course, that I think was set in the 1950s. Um, right. But, you know, Sheila, there's another element here to Fraser's point. It's a mm -hmm. political element. Um, Hamilton is, of course, in Ontario. And Ontario is not, say, Saskatchewan and Alberta, where Premier Moe and uh, Premier Smith, when they're being foisted upon with federal regulations, they're going, no, we're not going along with it. We're not cooperating with you. Meanwhile, uh, Premier Ford, his best buddy these days is uh, Prime Minister Blackface. Not a week goes by, it seems, where they're not uh, doubling down to have a, a presser. So as a result, there's no pushback. There'll be even less pushback, by the way, with Olivia Chow as mayor of Toronto in what's happening in our city. I believe the number is somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of one third of shelter spaces in Toronto uh, are occupied by, by illegal aliens. It's the federal government sending them down to Toronto and Toronto not pushing back, saying we don't have the resources and we have a homeless crisis. 
Uh, and that's only going to get worse under Chow, too. Uh, prove me wrong, but time will tell. So there's that element, too, Sheila. Well, and we have a provincial government here who says that we will be forcibly incarcerating into treatment yep. violent drug addicts, which should do a lot to alleviate some of the public safety issues surrounding homelessness. Um, we're, we're taking steps in the right direction to deal with the drug problem that fuels or at least exacerbates a lot of the homeless issues. So, um, and, and we've deployed additional officers to the downtown because the progressive cities aren't doing it. So the premier said, actually, we're sending sheriffs. Yep. <laughs> so and you, so you can, and that's great. I think of the Tom Petty lyric, uh, Sheila, you got to be cruel to be kind. Yeah. Is it Tom Petty or did I mislyric I somebody? <laughs> I think it's I Tom know. Petty. <laughs> I don't know, but it is it is true that it is it is discompassionate to lie yep. to somebody and allow them to languish in misery. Uh, let's keep going. Five libraries from Odyssey from Canadian Aussie says David Menzies is the Bret Hart of news media. <laughs> the best there is, the best there was and the best there ever will be. Oh, that is so nice. My goodness, Bret Hart. I love that guy, and I loved his tag team partner, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I think that might—that has to be in my top three, like, legitimate, non-gimmick tag team tandems. They were just uh, good. The Hart Foundation. Even the name, the Hart Foundation. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. They complemented each other so well. And that what a, what a, what a phrase— the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I think Sheila Gunn-Reed says that into the mirror every time when she wakes up. In the morning. <laughs> wow, David. <laughs> I joked with my friend Mike the other day that I was going to see if I could find the um, the background for like the early 80s um, WWE. It was WWF at the time, like announcer stage with the shag carpet and it. it was like blue and silver background. I was like, if I can find that without Gorilla Monsoon sitting behind the mic, I would put that up in the background next time we did a uh, a live stream together just for fun, but I can't find it. I spent far too long looking for just a, a wide shot of that set. Um, I might just have to build it myself. Sheila, don't worry, my friend. You've given me another thing on my bucket list for when I win <laughs> Lotto 649 FU money. In addition to the Batmobile purchase, we will build that set, my friend, and spare You know no what? I just, I just want the shag carpet instead of my bare feet on the cold concrete floor. Like The, the shaggy carpet riser was very enticing to me. We're still talking about oh. sets right here, right? Yes, uh, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do we have any more super chats? Or no, we're really done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I better sign off before I get into trouble with Mr. Vice President yeah. again. Well, Sheila Gunn Reed, thank you so much. It was a joy. Thank you for filling in for Tamara. Usually it's Tamara Tuesday here, but I imagine uh, our Coburg Khaleesi had her hands full with something. Uh, thank you to Efren behind the board as our super producer, and of course, Olivia. And thank you to all of you who tuned in, including those of you who gave us a super chat. We really appreciate your generosity. I'll be back here tomorrow. I don't know with whom, but it will be with some Rebel News talented broadcast professional. In the meantime, stay safe and stay sane. <laughs>